So yeah, today is Palm Sunday and it's so lovely to be speaking to people in the room as well as folks online. And uh, this is the, the mark, the start of Holy Week. It's the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem and it's the start of his journey to the cross. And it is the most significant event in the whole of history, Jesus's death and resurrection. And it's through him that we have life and hope and it's amazing. To live in Christ is to embody living hope. And uh, do you know, there's an old song in the vineyard called Hosanna. Some of you uh, older or my age will remember it. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Uh, Lord, we lift up your name. Uh, I can't remember all the words. Yes, with hearts full of praise and on it goes. It's amazing. Anyway, in the 80s, John and I were at a conference and we were dancing our hearts out. Can you believe it? John tore his leather shoes dancing, which is like, if you know John, that's just so unlike him. But anyway, we danced because there was something so alive, was bubbling up inside us. It was living hope. Living hope has to find an outlet. You know, we live in it, we live it, and we express it. And, you know, it's Jesus. And so for those of us who have this living hope, when we think about Palm Sunday, we have a bit of a sense of expectation. You know, even though we know there's pain and there's grief, there's the, the horror of the cross, we also know that Easter is coming. And so there's a sense of expectation. I want to read, first of all, the account of, that we find in Matthew of this triumphant entry. And we're going to see uh, what happens there. I'm going to draw some things out from this passage. So, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethsaige on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and then he'll send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fall of a donkey. The disciples went and they did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey for Jesus to sit on. And a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, whilst others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So what we see here is Jesus is entering Jerusalem and there is a swirl of excitement amongst the crowd. After three years of the most incredible ministry, miracles, uh, there's this incredible expectation on Jesus. But Jesus is here to fulfill his mission. It's the culmination of his mission here. It's a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies. Now, in the last few weeks, we have been looking at the subject of living hope. It's our vision for the year. And today I want to look at three different ways that we can see in this passage that we can uh, live in and express living hope. So the first one is that living hope rises above our circumstances. Now, in this passage, we see the crowd, are uh, they've gone ahead of Jesus and there's others following and they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, 2,000 years ago, uh, the word Hosanna, when they were shouting it out, actually meant save us. So they're going, save us, save us, Jesus. And basically, they were expectant for something very different. You see, the Jewish people at the time were living under Roman occupation. 
They were under siege from a different political power. They were in their land, but they were having to be in bondage to the Romans. And so they were hoping for a deliverance. And they were crying out to Jesus, save us, save us, with such hope and expectation. But Jesus wasn't actually coming to save them in the way that they were expecting. He was coming to liberate them from something far greater than their present day circumstances. He was bringing them eternal liberation, liberation into life in him, a living hope, life with him and in him. And so often, you know, we do this with our own longings uh, in the midst of our own circumstances and challenges. Now, you know, like many of you, I have been longing for the vaccine and I've just had my first dose last week and so grateful to God. It is an answer to prayer. But living hope doesn't actually depend on that vaccine. Uh, the hope for the end of the coronavirus isn't actually the same as living hope. You know, through these distressing times, through the unanswered questions, through the difficulties and the challenges, we're invited to rest in, uh, to live in and to live out living hope. And as we've heard before, living hope has a name. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Christ. It's an invitation to live in him and with him and through him. Christ in us enables us, whatever we feel, to, uh, you know, whatever our circumstances, to live from that place of living hope. Now, you may remember on Vision Sunday, John talked about Kat and Mary who work in India amongst children. They've gone out there to work and help children. And they left Nottingham as young pediatricians. And they're out there and they're working in the most difficult of situations. Uh, during uh, the first lockdown, they actually lost uh, one of the children closest to them. Uh, they are also attempting to adopt another couple of children. They've adopted one. And during this time, they've been feeding literally thousands and thousands of families. It's incredible what they've been doing. But, you know, not all the things they set out to do uh, come to pass. They, they face these challenges and difficulties. But, you know, it's living hope that keeps them going. It's what drives them and strengthens them. It guides them. It's not the hope in good outcomes that keeps them going. It's Christ himself, living hope. And so they're an incredible example to us. Now, some of you may have been able to read the book um, God on Mute, written by Pete Gregg, who's the founder of the Movement of Prayer 24-7. And in this book, um, he and his wife are struggling with unanswered prayers. That's who the book is written for, people struggling with unanswered prayers. And basically, she's really poorly and she's had brain surgery. And then that morning, before they go on a walk, she's had a seizure. And on the walk, uh, Pete asks her, he says, if you ever have doubt, do you ever have doubts in God or his power to intervene? No, she says, I never doubt God these days. He's all I've got. I never doubt God these days. He's all I've got. You see, in the midst of unanswered prayers, in the midst of challenge and difficulty, Living hope isn't just what we have, it's all we have. So living hope is there and it transcends our circumstances, it rises above them. But also living hope transcends death. Now on the way to Jerusalem, the crowds are excited and they've cut off branches of palm trees. And they're not only waving them, but they're laying them on the ground so Jesus can walk on them. Uh, it's the donkey that he's riding on can walk. And what the palm branches signify is goodness and victory. And we now recognize these as prophetic and symbolic of the final victory that he would soon fulfill over death. In fact, Paul, in the book of Corinthians, he exclaims about Jesus in Corinthians chapter 1, 15. He says, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Death, you know, for 
most of us isn't a pleasant thought, you know. And in this season, many of us have lost loved ones. And the desperately sad thing is that the grief has been exacerbated because people haven't been able to be with the people who have been dying. And then when they're grieving, they haven't been able to be around others closely, physically connected, you know, holding each other, weeping together. So many people fear death and they fear dying. And many of us might even admit to a worry about how we might die. But what we don't need to fear is death itself. Living hope assures us of a life that lives on. It's victory over death into eternal life in Christ and being able to trust him with the how. My friend Alison, who recently lost her father, um, I was talking to her on the phone the other day, and she was able to be with her father as he died. But she said something quite beautiful. She told me that her favorite place is to be with somebody as they're dying, someone who knows Jesus, who loves Jesus, who carries living hope. She said it's absolutely amazing to be in the room with them. She said the atmosphere is different. She said it's like heaven is on earth. She said it's the presence of God, the sense of angels in the room. She said it's amazing. She, she said, I've done it more than once now. She said, and it's become my absolutely favorite place to be. And my mum reminded me of a friend who died um, quite young. Uh, he knew Jesus, and as he was dying, he was exclaiming, the colours, the angels, it was like he was experiencing heaven before he passed through. And some of you may remember a guy called uh, Ian McCormick. He's actually a friend of ours. He stayed with us in our home. And basically, Ian McCormick has the most incredible testimony. Um, if you want to look up his testimony, you just look up on YouTube, The Jellyfish Man. Because basically, he died after being poisoned by jellyfish. Very poisonous jellyfish, repeated stings again and again. And the story he tells is the arduous journey to the hospital to find help. And on the journey, he, he prays out, he cries out to Jesus. He's not a Christian at the time, but he cries out to Jesus. And then on, uh, uh, in the hospital, he actually dies. He meets Jesus. He catches a glimpse of heaven and he comes back. And when he wakes up, he's in the mortuary, the hospital mortuary, and he shocks the living daylights out of the nurses. He wakes up and he tells this story. And untold numbers of people have come to faith. It's really worth watching the story. It's incredible. Just look up The Jellyfish Man on YouTube. Living hope is for now and for eternity. Because of what Jesus did when he was entering Jerusalem and he was heading to the cross, he me, he, he, he victoriously won over death such that death is just a doorway. And the Hosanna Christ save us was answered as the people were being saved, not from their own circumstances right there and then, but they were being saved by the victorious battle over death that Jesus was facing. Three days he was resurrected, which offers us a true and certain living hope. And Jesus said of himself, uh, before he raised Lazarus, Martha's brother, he spoke to Martha and he said in, in, in John 11, he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And because of this, you know, we can actually sit with people who are dying and the grieving peacefully. One of my unbelieving friends, she was telling me how her auntie lost her son. And initially everybody gathered around. They were all there for the funeral. But she said, then after that, as the weeks went by, nobody wanted to talk to her. They all felt awkward. It's as if they... Um, they just felt this, this uh, awkwardness with a sense of anxiety about their own mortality. But you see, we have living hope and we can be a non-anxious presence for people who are grieving. 
We can be with them in their pain, in their questions. We don't have to have all the answers, but we can be Jesus for those people at that time. And if you're grieving or know someone, you you might want to point them to the Trent Remembrance Service that happened a couple of, uh, well, just last week. And it was absolutely profound. And it was beautifully done for anybody who's grieving. Even if someone's an unbeliever, they'll, they'll find it a beautiful service. But finally, living hope looks like Jesus. Now, on Palm Sunday, we see Jesus riding in on a donkey. Now, in biblical times, riding in on a donkey meant that you were coming in peace. You were coming with good intentions. If you were to ride in on a horse, it meant you were coming into battle. And so Jesus is riding on a donkey, and he's fulfilling Old Testament prophecies. The actual prophetic word comes from Zechariah, and uh, this is the New Living Translation, where it says, look, your king is coming to you. He's righteous and victorious, yet he's humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. So the donkey symbolizes peace, peaceful intentions, and Jesus came as the prince of peace. He's waging war against the devil, but he does it through his character. He carries authority, yet incredible humility. And we're invited to express Jesus in that way, in humility with his character, but also in the acts of Jesus, demonstrating the fruits of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And we can do that. We'll pray today to receive that today. Now, so many of you in this time, in this really challenging season, have expressed living hope to one another and to others that maybe you don't even know that well. You've responded selflessly, humbly, and powerfully. You know, I'm just going to remind you that living hope rises above circumstances. It transcends death. But we have the opportunity to demonstrate living hope in the way that we look like Jesus. And what might that look like in our everyday lives? How can we live it out? How can we be a people of living hope? And I heard a wonderful example of this. And this is Maggie's story. She's a member of Trent Vineyard. And Maggie lives on her own. And at the start of the pandemic, uh, she was given by the Lord the verse from Isaiah uh, 41.10. Do not fear, for I am with you. And it goes on. It's beautiful. And the Lord reminded her of this passage just before she got COVID on the 20th of December. And when she got COVID, her own family couldn't come to help her because they were isolating So for the first three nights, she said she slept fitfully, but she felt like she was in the arms of Jesus. And then during this time, friends and small group felt prompted by the Lord to pray for her. On Christmas Eve, she said food parcels arrived. On Christmas Day, there was a hamper and a card with exactly the same verse, do not fear for I am with you. Then on Christmas evening, there was a video call for a chat and some more frozen meals. On Boxing Day, she woke up having trouble breathing. And, um, and she actually, you know, cried out to the Lord. But then in the evening, someone prayed for her. And they, pr- they prayed that the Holy Spirit would come to her and would bring healing. And what she experienced was the Holy Spirit coming as crystal clear air. And the air stayed with her for three weeks, helping her to breathe. The next morning, flowers, throat sweets, and also she'd asked the Lord in her own time. She'd said, Lord, I haven't got any Christian novels to read. And the next day, not only did flowers and throat sweets come, but Christian novels were left out for her. Throughout this time, more food and prayer. And she said the whole experience was 
overwhelming and humbling. And after five weeks, when she could get out, she couldn't stop telling her neighbors. Uh, She said, since then, she's prayed for a neighbor on her doorstep who cried after she said, I prayed for healing and wholeness. Then with another neighbor in the street for help with her breathing. And I'm sure she's prayed for more and done more things because this was a few weeks ago that she wrote this story. Maggie experienced living hope in the arms of Jesus, but also she experienced it through her friends who came to her with food and prayers. She experienced it for herself with this crystal clear air that came to her. And then she couldn't stop but express it to others. And maybe God is prompting you and I to do the same, to embody living hope to our friends, to our neighbours. And so when we hear what Maggie experienced, we might be saying to ourselves, what, what, what could I do? You know, I could maybe do something similar to that. But let me just give you another example that's on another level. This is the story from one of our missionaries who recently we heard, he works in um, a, a closed country. So he's one of the British movement missionaries. And he's working in a country where it's, it's dangerous to share your faith. Um, but he was on a train journey. And on the train journey, he felt compelled to stand up and shout out, Jesus is Lord, in the language, obviously, of that country. So he stands up and he shouts it out. And practically the whole train carriage shouts back, shut up, sit down. So he sits down feeling very foolish and wondering why the Lord uh, prompted him to shout it out. When he feels the Lord say again, stand up and shout it out. So he stands up, he shouts out again, uh, Jesus is Lord. And immediately the train carriage, they shout back, shut up. And a woman stands up, she comes to him and she smacks him across the face with her bag. And he falls back into his chair, bleeding. And then all of a sudden, a young boy shouts out, what this man is saying is true, Jesus is Lord. And the woman who smacked him around the face falls on her knees in front of him. And she says, tell me about this Jesus. My son was mute and deaf. And this is the first words he's spoken. Amazing, isn't that amazing? Wow, you know, these stories demonstrate something of what it looks like to embody and express living hope in natural and supernatural ways. You know, what happens is we become dealers in living hope. Living hope that points to Jesus, that brings glory to him, that finds expression in our character, in the manner in which we behave, And we might ask, well, what does it look like for us? And uh, the point I want to stress today is that we have this invitation to share living hope, to to remember that living hope rises above circumstances, that we may not have answers to our prayers today. You might be um, talking to fellow students or people in the workplace on Zoom or in person, and you might find that there's an atmosphere of defeat, of of despair, and it's your job as a, a representative of Jesus to sow seeds of hope to just be an encourager, to to not necessarily join in, to face realities with people, but actually to come with a message of hope. Living hope transcends death. And it may be you know people who are grieving. You could point them to the service, which is still on YouTube, uh, the Trent Remembrance Service, or just come alongside them with seeds of hope for them. But living hope also looks like Jesus. And Jesus models for us with his authority and his humility uh, how we can behave, how, how we can demonstrate him. He said to us, freely you receive, so freely give. So folks, those of you in the room online, those of you here with me in the room here, the Lord is inviting us uh, to step into this mission afresh, to be living hope in this time.